So we are on week three of our core values. And the third week of our core values is the week of growth. Now, when, when we talk about growth, we're not talking about uh, the church getting larger, although that would happen. A church that has people who are growing will be a growing church, but that's not the primary thing that we're going to be talking about. Today, we're going to be talking about spiritual growth, the kind of growth that happens in your heart and in your mind and in your soul and in your emotions as you get closer to God, as you get closer to becoming what God has made you to be. One of the things that we try to say around here as much as we can is that we are a church that empowers people to live the life God designed them for. We want that to be true in your life. We want it to be true in our lives. And spiritual growth is the mechanism God uses to bring us closer to that goal. I'm going to share with you our core value statement. It comes in a phrase that we call the earth phrase because earth is a good metaphor of us being people that God gets to shape. You know, he gets to put a seed in us and he's the one who makes it grow. He turns us into clay and shapes us into whatever he wants to shape us into. When we say that we are God's earth, we basically mean that God can do with us whatever he wants to do. The phrase says this, God is creating me. I started as dust, but I'm becoming like Jesus. I rejoice in trials and hardships because Christ suffered for me, and I am a living sacrifice transformed by the truths of God. As I think about this last year, I have to acknowledge that 2020 was a really annoying year. In so many ways, I was so frustrated, I was so upset, I was so disappointed with things that happened and how they happened in 2020 that I'm wondering if I went through the hardships of 2020 without getting the benefit of the growth. One of my big concerns for me and for all of us is that we would take the lessons that we were supposed to have learned in 2020 and we would apply them to the continuing of the hardship we're going through in some aspects, but that we would learn from them and become better. This phrase here, I rejoice in trials and hardships because Christ suffered for me. I think we need to be a people who when we encounter difficulty, we're the ones who rejoice. Because we can encounter difficulty and that leads us to become more like Jesus. That leads us to become more spiritually mature. That leads us to be more the people God designed us to be. And so every time we encounter hardship, we should be the kind of people who say, yes, another opportunity for spiritual growth. Of course, it doesn't always happen that way. I know I spent most of last year not rejoicing. I spent most of last year in more of a complain slash outrage mode, depending on the day. And my concern is whether or not I might have missed out on some growth that God had for me. And so one of the things that we're doing in this series is we're talking to other people. We're trying to learn from other churches and other ministries what they've learned through this past season of life. And uh, today we're going to be learning from uh, the pastor's wife at Love Life International Ministries. Uh, Will Fowler is the pastor of the church that meets here Sunday afternoons in our facility, and uh, Kia Fowler is his wife. And I just want to start right off by giving you a little video clip of her introducing herself and sharing a little bit of what her spiritual growth has been like both before and during 2020. So let's play that now. 
everybody, I want to introduce to you uh, Kia Fowler. She is the wife of Will Fowler, who is the founding pastor of the church that meets in our building every Sunday afternoon. But uh, you probably shouldn't think of her as pastor's wife because she is um, basically pastor two in the church. And so I want to start by asking her to introduce herself to us a little bit. Kia, thanks for joining us. Would you just introduce yourself a little bit to us, explain a little bit about your ministry and your involvement in it? I am Kia Fowler, wife of William Fowler, pastor of Love Life International Ministries. Um, I am a pastor's wife. I am not a pastor. I am just his helper. I preach from time to time. I teach. I am the sound person. I am the cleaning crew. I pick up the pieces that fall by the wayside. So anything that he needs to help the ministry run smoothly, I am there to help with that. Is there a favorite part of that ministry that you're involved in right now? Um, I really enjoy the women in our in our ministry. Our ministry is mostly women, and I enjoy the women of our ministry. So when we can come together and just be women and talk about, you know, God and life and children and husbands and all of that without the presence of those children or husbands, that's always a good time. <laughs> Now, you're always kind to Will behind his back, right? Usually. Usually. All right. So um, (laughs) I wanted to ask you about your spiritual life and how 2020 has affected your spiritual growth. So let's start before 2020. Okay. And share with me just a little bit about how you would describe your spiritual life before 2020. Before 2020, um, I did Bible study, um, usually about once a week. I read... Uh, three to four days a week, my word. Um, I listen to a lot of spiritual music, uplifting, I don't know what you call Christian, gospel, whatever label you want to put on it. Um, And so I worship a lot. And then I came to church on Sunday and started all over again. But 2020 kind of changed that a bit, Hmm. I guess, because not being able to when they shut down the country, us not being able to come together kind of puts you in a different type of mood because you're not used to not being around people. And it, the people in your household, yes, okay, but after a while they tend to drive you crazy and you want to go somewhere else and be around other people and you can't. And so um, at one point in the year it made me, um, it made me more focus more on God. It made me go to my word more. It made me pray more. And then in other parts of the year, it made me more distant to God. So in those moments, when I did go to pray, I would just hear him say, but you're leaving, come back. And so I would go back and I would pick up my Bible and I would read and I would try to study, but you know, it was just different. It was just different. So for you, the three things that are the the biggest impacts on your spiritual life are reading the Bible, praying, and listening to music? Yes. When you listen to music, do you sing along? I do. Do you dance along? I do. All right. (laughs) So it's not just just passive listening. No, it is a whole experience. And for me and anybody that is around, I have had people at the stoplight see me dancing in my cards, and they just join in, and they don't even know what I'm listening to. But they join in in their other cars. Yes, they do. All right. And I enjoy it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, so you said that during 2020, though, mm-hmm. you went through these, like, it sounded to me like you were saying you went through these ups, ups and, and downs. Ups and downs, yeah. Where sometimes you were in the zone, mm-hmm. sometimes... Not so much. Man, what Kia says there about dancing in the car made me uh, so happy, just imagining that. Um, But the happiest quote I had, I think, was probably this one from right at the beginning of what she said. She said, when we can get together without the presence of those children or those husbands, that's always a good time. I just thought that was brilliant, and it was honest, and it was amazing. And so now I understand better why so many women love women's ministry. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think it's really important that she is saying something because everybody needs other people around them so that they can experience the life that they have been designed for and learn and grow in ways that make sense to them. And sometimes two moms need to be each other to talk about what it means to be a mom. And sometimes two ladies need to be together to talk about what it means to be a Christian lady. And and it's just so important for us to have those times together. But interestingly, when I asked her the question of what she was doing to grow spiritually, she identified just a few spiritual disciplines. She gave five spiritual disciplines, which are the most standard spiritual disciplines that people have. She mentioned Bible study for her. It's once a week. She mentioned devotional reading. She didn't say the word devotional, but she said, I read my word three to four times a week. She mentioned worship, particularly through music. She mentioned prayer, and she mentioned going to church. One of the interesting things is that that worship thing, because we have the technology to have music produced for us and recorded for us and played over speakers, worship is something that is done both communally and individually. You can listen in your car and sing and dance and you're all alone. You're the only one in that car. But then she said she would look to the car next to her and there'd be someone else out there dancing along with her. So worship is one of those things that can happen in quarantine. It can happen in community with people. Bible study. She mentioned a Bible study that they would actually do as a church every single week. And so that was more of a communal experience. Devotional reading for her would be a private experience. Prayer would be a private experience for her, but they also have a group prayer thing they do in their church. And then, of course, going to church, which is a group kind of thing. And the all of the things that she mentioned have been standard biblical Christian disciplines, spiritual disciplines for generations. Take a look at what it says in Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, he's talking about a guy who is the right kind of guy, and he says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The psalmist is saying that a person who digs deeply into God's word is like a tree that is deep in soil. A person who meditates on God's word is like a tree that is soaked with water, soaked with rain so that it can be productive, it can grow the right way. In other words, time with God's word, whether by study or by devotional meditation, time with God's word builds growth. Or take a look at this one. 
In the New Testament, in Colossians, it says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Other translations would say, let the word of Christ, let the truth of Christ dwell among you, in you and around you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. So there's the educational, biblical focus component, but teaching them with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Again, we get a picture of worship. In fact, this is one of the reasons why I encourage people to go to church, because you need to be steeped in God's Word, but it's very helpful to have someone around you to help you and encourage you in that, which leads me to a couple other quotes that she gave us. She said this last year, not being able to come together puts you in a different kind of mood. She said for herself, sometimes it drove me toward God, but other times it made me more distant. I don't know about you, but that's definitely the way I've felt this last year. I felt that since we haven't been able to get together in person, it's been, first of all, incredibly awkward for me on Sunday because I'm not a TV personality. I I didn't always dream of being a TV personality. I much, much, much prefer talking to groups of people who are like in the same room as I. At the very beginning of the coronavirus lockdown situation, uh, all the churches in America decided to go virtual and stuff like that. And so we did that and we tried to be creative, and we were having a lot of fun around here doing some creative things, making kind of a a TV show situation and stuff. But I was reading articles, repeatedly articles, of pastors across the country having spiritual and mental breakdowns because of the lack of a congregation. And there was a part of me that was judgmental towards those other pastors, thinking to myself, you know what? They have to have a crowd in front of them to speak. But the truth of the matter is, this whole thing that I've been called to do has nothing to do with talking on a stage. And it has everything to do with feeling like I'm helping people grow in their faith. And so if I don't get some sort of feedback from the room, even if it's the lo and behold grunt over in the back corner from someone who isn't courageous enough to say amen, or someone over on this side who's just still awake after I've been talking for 10 minutes, that little bit of feedback is enough to help me feel like I might possibly be making a difference. And maybe for you, it's been the same thing. This last year, sometimes it drives you towards God, and sometimes it makes you more distant because it just doesn't feel right, nothing feels right. God knows this. That's why he said in Hebrews, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We've tried multiple times this last year to make meeting together happen digitally, but it just isn't encouraging to so many of us. Being in the same place is encouraging. Not being in the same place is not encouraging. It's because I think there's a problem that we have. As Christians, as believers, there's a problem that we have. We have done exceptionally well to train ourselves to do the kinds of spiritual disciplines that happen in community or that happen privately because of community. We've done really well at these spiritual disciplines where someone else wrote down some words from God for us and we read them. We do very well when someone else records music and we listen to it or sing along with it. 
But there are two spiritual disciplines that I think we have been terrible at, and this last year has proven it. Those two spiritual disciplines are suffering and solitude. Spiritual people for generations, for thousands on thousands of years, have encountered suffering and solitude and grown from it. Oh yeah, for many, many, the solitude and suffering can break them down. But for many, many, that's where God meets them. I want to take you to Psalm chapter 63. Psalm 63 has a heading in it that says, A Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. That means David, the one who was anointed to be the king, is not in Jerusalem. He's not in the palace. He's not on a throne. He is in the desert of Judah. This is a psalm from when David was running away from someone who was trying to kill him. This is a psalm from David when he was suffering and wondering what is going on. When he is all alone, maybe this was a time when he had a group of people with him. Maybe it was a different time when he was all alone. But we know he was in the desert. And he says these words, You God are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. This is David actually looking at the dry and parched land around him and he's like, I am just as dry as this dirt all around me. And he calls out to God, I thirst for you. He says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. See, he remembers something. He remembers a time before when he saw God in his presence, not not physically seeing God, but he saw God's glory in the worship around the tabernacle. David has experienced the tabernacle kind of worship, and he says, I remember what that was like. That was a great day. And because God's love is better than life, I will still glorify him with my lips, even though my soul is dry and parched. He says this, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. He's talking about the fact that he is going to worship God no matter what, and in the midst he has this faith moment. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. He's still dry, he's still parched, he's still suffering, he's still all alone, he's still experiencing solitude, but he can imagine. He can imagine what God will do in response to this man's devotion, his endurance. See what happens next. He says, on my bed, I remember you. Now, if he's in the middle of the desert, he's not currently on a bed. But that means whenever he lays down, whether it's his bed in his palace, whether it's his bed in his home with his mom and dad, whether it's a rock, he says, I remember you. I'm not complaining about my bed situation. I remember God. I'm thinking about God. I think of you through the watches of the night. That means there are watches during the night. That probably means he has to wake up every few hours to make sure he's safe or someone else is having to wake up every few hours to make sure they are safe. But he's like, I'm focused on God. He says, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. We're going to come back to this psalm a few more times today because I think it helps us understand something. But what I want you to get is that David is a person who is in the midst of suffering and solitude. 
And he isn't whining about it. He is just calling out to God over it. You know, sometimes, as Kia would say, the distance, the weirdness, the non-socialness of this last year led her away, distracted her from God, but sometimes it took her towards him. And that's the lesson that we need to try to learn. What is it that will take us towards God when we're facing those things? And largely, it's just we need to be people who are willing to embrace the suffering and the solitude. So what I want to do is I want to play, to you, play for you the, the next clip from my interview with Kia as she begins to talk about how it affected her church. What about the people around you? Um, describe, let's talk about your church, the ladies that you meet with in the mm-hmm. church or other relationships that you have with people in the church. Uh, how would you describe the spiritual health, spiritual life of the people in your church before 2020? Before 2020, I think um, we were growing and spiritually. Um, people were thirsting more for God. You can see them want to know more. You could hear the questions that they ask. Um, after our service, my husband always holds like a question session where if it's anything, um, dealing with the sermon or the scriptures that we have gone over that you have a question about, you can ask. And so you could hear, um, in their questions, how they were trying to learn more and grow more and become closer with God. And then, um, when Bible study stopped and, um, the meeting stopped, we didn't completely like stop but what happened was you began to see it just dwindle because people were afraid to come outside and so um I feel that it kind of stunted the growth spiritually of our ministry because people just I think you learn better in an environment where it's not just your perspective you know you can hear other people's thoughts and their views on certain things and so when we're learning you know you would hear oh I never thought of it like that I didn't I didn't think he was saying it like that and it's not just coming from the pastor but it's coming from lay members in the in the congregation and so you know I feel like 2020 kind of stunted that growth because you don't get the input that you are used to. And then people begin to go back to what is comfortable for them, what they know. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I was doing okay when I wasn't reading the Bible. So maybe I don't read this week or Mm. maybe, maybe I, I pray when I need something. And it's not like just a relationship builder between me and God, but it's just, hey, God, you see I need this. You see my bills are due. Can you help me type situation? And so now coming out of that, we're trying to grow back the relationship portion of the relationship with our with our God because, you know, just like naturally you build relationships with people, you have to build that relationship with God so that you can learn to trust him no matter what's going on. Because that's kind of what got me through those low times. It's just like, okay, well, when I was going through things, my trust in him carried me through those low moments to come on back up. So that sounds like before 2020, you were developing a a real community of hungry people, Mm -hmm. uh, people who were hungry for the word of God. They were digging into it. Mm -hmm. They were uh, interacting on Sundays, but then also on Fridays. Mm -hmm. I imagine that must have felt really vibrant. It did. And our prayer, we have a prayer line as well. We had a prayer on Monday, Wednesday, Friday before COVID. And 
after COVID, he started every day. So before COVID, it was Sunday and Friday, but during the time of COVID, you lost a couple things. Mm-hmm. The Bible study went away, mm-hmm. Sunday morning went away, for, or Sunday afternoon went away for a little bit, mm-hmm. but prayer hit every day. Every day. Okay, and so that shifted your dynamic completely, completely as mm-hmm. to what you were doing for spiritual growth. Yes. Uh, are you still doing prayer every day? Every night at six o'clock. Kia said a couple things during that clip that, um, at the very beginning, that were really encouraging. She was talking about what their church was like before 2020. Particularly, she said, we were growing spiritually and people were thirsting more for God. She said that the way she could tell people were growing is their thirst for God. They would have a question and answer time after every one of their worship gatherings, after every one of their church services, and people would be asking hungry kinds of questions. They'd be asking questions to learn more and to grow more. And so she describes that as a thirst for God that gave them an indication that people were growing. That takes us back to what David said, right? In the Psalm, Psalm 63. He said, you're my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. God, there's no water here, but I'm not thirsting for water. I'm thirsting for you. There's this idea that the psalmist had that said, God is the thing that I need more than any other thing, even though I am in physical need right now. And Kia would say before 2020, their congregation, their church was filled with people who were thirsting. They were after it. In fact, perhaps you could even say that the precursor to growth is thirst. If you want to grow spiritually, yeah, there are a lot of disciplines that you can do, but before those disciplines actually take effect, there's a precursor. You have to be someone who's thirsty for God. You have to be someone who desires God. There's just a problem, though. Even though those people were thirsty for God, she said, it it didn't last. It didn't carry them through 2020. She said, when the meeting stopped, you began to see it dwindle. She said, I felt that 2020 stunted the growth of the people spiritually. And then trying to explain why she thinks that happened, she said, when they don't get the input they're used to, people go back to what's comfortable for them. Comfort. You know, it's, it's interesting that we as people do so poorly with suffering and solitude. That when we begin to get a sense of suffering, when we begin to get a sense of solitude, we just revert back to our old habits of comfort. The precursor to growth is thirst. But I guess the problem is thirst isn't enough. There has to be something more than just thirst. And so I explored that a little bit with Kia. I tried to ask her to identify what was going on in her church, how things have been different, and where she saw the disconnect in the people that they had been thirsty, but it didn't lead to growth. So check this out. What does Sunday look like now? (laughs) Sunday is different. It's not as vibrant. Um, You don't get the energy. You know when you do praise and worship, and you have 15, 20 people out versus 30 or 50 people, the, the feeling is different. You know, you have, it's, it's just different. 
Mm-hmm. But um, God still meets us. The spirit is still here. And so I'm thankful for that. But it's just different for the people, I think. Um, we have some that come faithfully every Sunday. We have some that show up a Sunday here, a Sunday there. Um, but they still come a couple times a month. And then we have some that show up every blue moon. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking because you're like, God, I saw so much growth in this person. And you see them, um, how the growth kind of stunted and it reverted them back. And you're just praying that God, like, grabs them and pulls them back where they were so that they can continue to go higher in him and not get stuck in a place of complacency. You said that you saw some people that kind of slid back. Mm-hmm. Um, in general terms, in your church, mm-hmm. over this last year, 2020, did people grow? That's a loaded question because for some, yes. For some, seeing everything that happened and COVID affecting them has completely made them dependent upon the Lord. Um, I think the alone time gave them time to reevaluate, self-evaluate and see the things that they needed to work on or they needed help from God from. And so they began to pray and seek him for those things. And others, that time away from the community, the, the church community, kind of pushed them back into whatever they were in before. Let's think about yourself mm-hmm. and just a person that you know who grew spiritually mm-hmm. and a person that you know who kind of slid backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, what made the difference between a person who grew this last year and a person who didn't? Um, I would have to say the thirst. Like, you have to want this life. You have to know beyond a doubt that this is what you want. And because the things that you really want, that you long for in your heart, you go after, Mm. you know, whether it's a job or it's a mate or whatever. If it's an inanimate object that, you know, okay, I have to save for in order to get because I can't afford it now, but I can get it if I save a hundred dollars a month or whatever. Give me a couple months and I'll be able to get it. It's the same thing with this life. You have to know that. This is what you want so that the things that you need to do to seek God, because you have to genuinely seek him in your own time. I can't seek him for you. You know, I can't flourish the relationship between you and God. You have to build that. And so for the ones that genuinely wanted change and not just um, enjoyed the idea of change, I see the growth and the ones that want wanted the change because they knew they needed it, but didn't want to do the work for it. I see the fallback. Interesting, because I think a lot of times when we have church, mm-hmm. the more vibrant the church is, the more we can fool ourselves into thinking we're growing spiritually mm-hmm. because we're not doing the work, mm-hmm. right? The work is being done for us. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing you say is that um, when you don't have the work being done for you, mm-hmm. um, as if that would ever work anyway, when you don't have the work being done for you, you have to want it. Yes. So the thirst. 
the thirst. For God, the thirst for spiritual growth mm -hmm. is the thing that sets a grower apart from a slider. Yes, I believe. Um, and it's because I've been in both places. Hmm. I've been one that being around the people kind of makes you feel like you do all of the things that you see them do um, in front of them. But in the private moments, maybe you don't read as the way that you should. You don't study. The word tells us study to show thyself approved. Well, if you're studying, but I'm not studying, but I read it real quick before we begin to talk about it. It looks like I studied, but I really didn't study. And so, you know, when it's time for the test, you're going to pass, but I'm going to fail because I didn't study. And so in those moments, you know, you revert back to what you know. At the beginning, she had an encouraging phrase that she said, the feeling is different, but God still meets us. The spirit is still here. I think that one thought is probably enough to carry us through a lot of difficult things. The problem is that even though that is true, even though God was still meeting the people of the church, even though God was still present in their Sunday worship, even though God was still present in their times of prayer, some people grew and some didn't. The way she said it was that some people became completely dependent on the Lord and alone time led them to reevaluate themselves. So for some people, they grew because they were in solitude. For some people, they grew because being isolated from others drove them to God like, like they hadn't before. But she said for others, being away from the community slid them back to wherever they were before. And that's just a very interesting interesting thing. For some people, the same exact thing that causes them growth, for other people, it causes them to slide back. And the only thing that she could put her finger on was that there was a difference between the thirst. And what's weird is that the thirst in 2020, the thirst before 2020, looked like it was in everybody. But it was when push came to shove, when solitude, when suffering entered into their lives, there were some people whose thirst was real and other people whose thirst was not so real. The way she phrased it was this, you have to genuinely seek God, I can't seek him for you. She said that those that didn't want to do the work, those who didn't want to work for it, fell back. You see... Spiritual growth has to start with some kind of thirst, but the thirst by itself is not enough. It needs work. Thirst needs work. David in Psalm 63 verse 8 shares a work that very few of us are willing to do. It says this, David says, I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. There's two interesting things happening here, of course, right? One is that God is holding him up. That's a statement of faith. 
That's David saying in faith, even though I feel dry, even though I feel thirsty, even though I feel longing for God, even though I feel lost in so many ways, I am stating a faith statement. God's hand is still holding me. That's just like when Kia said, God is still present with us. David is saying, your right hand still holds me up. But the part that we often miss is the action part from David at the beginning of that. He says, I cling to you. It's one thing for us to be close to God when we're close to others who are close to God. It's a completely different thing when the other people are no longer around us and there's nothing left but us and God and we choose to cling to God. The phrase I'm using for that is that the work that follows thirst needs to be a work of desperate endurance. These two things don't work together in my life. In my life, when I'm desperate, I want to quit. When I'm desperate, I want to run in another direction. When I reach that place of desperation, I want to try something else. In my life, when things are going well, that's when I want to endure. When things are going, going in my life the way I want them to go, that's when I want to stick with it. When things look good, I'm going to stay with them. That's when I endure. But I just want to be very clear. David says, I cling to you, God. Our work in spiritual growth needs to be a work of desperate endurance. God, I have nothing else but you. And so I won't let go. God, everything else is stripped away. And so I won't let go. God, I believe you're holding me, but I won't let go. I think far too often in our lives, we get ourselves to this place where we think, if I just do a few specific things, growth is going to happen. The most crass version of it is when we say, if I just do these few things that God asked me to do, he's going to make my path straight. He's going to smooth it all out in front of me. If I just go to church every Sunday, then I'm going to have a good life. If I just read my Bible every day, then I'm going to have a good life. And there were a lot of us who were doing a lot of good things before 2020 hit. And then during 2020, we realized that the things we did did not produce the life we wanted. The things we did did not give us the ease that we wanted. And we all responded. Responded differently. Some of us rejected the hardship and just pretended it didn't exist. Some of us lived in the hardship and got ourselves depressed over it. Some of us tried to do the thing that felt right and we talked about the hardship all the time and pointed our fingers at all the people around us who were dealing with the hardship improperly. But there's one thing very few of us did what David did cling to God with desperate endurance. I believe those of us who did grew the most. Those of us who didn't missed out. And so I asked Kia, what would she have told herself at the beginning of 2020? What would she have told herself back in March 2020, knowing what she knows now? What would she have said to herself? So let's talk about March 2020. Okay. Um, the Kia back then. <laughs> if, if you could go back to March 2020 and talk to Kia back then, what would you say to her? Don't be so comfortable. I was comfortable in life. I was comfortable 
Um, in my marriage, I was comfortable with our financial situation. I was comfortable with our church. I was just comfortable. And in comfort, you cannot grow. You have to get uncomfortable in order to grow. It's not Growth is not a comfortable situation. Like, it's, it's uncomfortable. Like, when you have a growth spurt, you have aches in your knees, you know, your ankles might hurt, whatever. Same thing when, when God is about to bless, you hit a dark spot that you feel like it's dark, but it's really not dark. It's just a place of uncomfortability. Like we don't know what's on the other side of the darkness. So it's kind of like fear. And are you going to let the fear stop you or are you going to let it push you into whatever God has for you next? And so I would tell me, don't allow fear to stagnate your growth. That's a good word. Um, This last year, were you comfortable? No. (laughs) No, I was not. Um, It was a perfect opportunity for growth. Yes, and I'm still growing, and I'm still learning from the things that we experienced, even from Uh March to December. Like, I'm still learning how to deal with the new set of emotions that come with the things that change of life because life has drastically changed for our family. We lost three key family members from COVID. And so we had to find a new family dynamic to live without those people. And the emotion that comes from that lost, not only that, but you know, the emotion from um, being unsure about job situations and do you really trust God or is your job your source? Like those are the type of questions that I had to ask me in order to grow from the things that we were experiencing because you, we didn't know what life was going to be like on the other side. We haven't made it to the other side, even as a country, but as a community, even, you know, we still have high numbers. We still have people getting sick. We still have people that are not working because of it. So we still have growth to do. So as leaders of the church, I feel we have to get the foundation of being okay with being uncomfortable for a moment in order to be able to teach others that it's okay to be uncomfortable so that they can embrace their growth. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Yes, first. And embrace our growth Mm -hmm. so that we can help others do the same. Yes. Isn't that what Christ did? I think he he did, yes. I I believe, you know, I read something about a very uncomfortable situation. (laughs) (laughs) And something along the lines of take up your cross uh, and follow me. Or if it's your will, take this (laughs) cup from me. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, in those moments, because I I had a moment like when I got sick, I was like, okay, Lord, is this my time? Because I don't think I'm quite ready yet. And, you know, he reassured me like, no, you won't perish from this, but you will learn. And I was like, hmm. ah, there goes that growth again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you just have to, you have to be prepared to be uncomfortable because that's the only way growth is, in, is flourish, is able to flourish. So compare yourself to 
18 months ago. Have you grown? Yes. Yes, but I also have been, um, the veil has been lifted from my eyes where I can see areas where there is still much growth needed in me. Kia said at the very beginning of that uh, interaction, don't be so comfortable. I was astonished when she said that, you know, that what's the advice you would give to yourself over 2020? You would start 2020 by telling yourself, don't be so comfortable. Not, hey, let me warn you about all the things that are going to make you uncomfortable. No, just a reassurance that it doesn't have to be that way. Don't be so comfortable. Spiritual growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable. Spiritual growth happens when you've been challenged, when you've been pushed, when, the way she put it, when God is about to do a blessing in your life, and then you hit a dark spot that isn't really a dark spot, but it feels like a dark spot to you. The challenge she brings to us in that little clip was one that um, reminded me how much I hated 2020 in so many ways. I mean, there's so many different times in 2020 that I was overly frustrated or, or feeling outrage or complaining or all these other sorts of things. And I just really, there's a part of me that just really wonders if I missed too much opportunity for spiritual growth. There's a part of me that wonders if um, my time would have been better spent if I had dug even deeper into God's word, spent even more time in prayer or whatever. But the bottom line is this. If comfort is the enemy of spiritual growth, then as leaders, as a leader, my responsibility is what she challenged me to do in that clip too. Leaders of the church have to be okay with being uncomfortable to teach others that it's okay to be uncomfortable so that they can embrace their growth. I don't know how well I've done as an example of this, but I'll say this is what spiritual growth means for us. This is what we have to be willing to do. Spiritual growth isn't just about reading your Bible and attending church and singing worship songs. Spiritual growth sometimes requires solitude, sometimes requires suffering, sometimes it requires hard endurance, diligent, desperate endurance in combination with your thirst so that you can embrace your growth. In Hebrews, we read these words. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. That's always been a hard passage to read. Because that's one of those passages that you don't ever want to pray that God would, you know, help you learn. Because you're afraid he's going to bring some discipline into your life. And sometimes discipline means correcting you from something bad. Sometimes discipline means strengthening you in something good. But in all cases, discipline means something uncomfortable so that I can grow 
so that I can be trained by it. I'll put it to you this way. After talking with Kia, after reading some of these scriptures, after thinking through this, I would have to say that spiritual growth isn't just a mechanism of doing a few small little uh, disciplines here and there, reading your Bible now and then, praying, singing songs in the car, going to church. Spiritual growth really comes down to a desperate desire, not just a thirst that looks like a thirst, but a thirst that's in your gut, a desperate desire, and diligence and discipline. And when you get those three things together, then you can have spiritual growth. When you get those three things together, then you can experience the results of the hardship producing in your life everything God wanted to produce in your life. I have one last clip where Kia was sharing with us some final thoughts about how to evaluate your spiritual growth. So let's watch this. So what are your plans moving forward? As you look ahead, um, is it your goal to get back to 2019 as soon as possible? No. What is, what is ahead of you? What are your plans moving forward for yourself first and, and then also for the ministry? For, the ministry. for me, um, I was taught a long time ago, never look back because you cannot fix what has already been done. The only thing you can do is take that lesson and prepare for what is next to come. So I don't want to go back to 2019. Um, but I do want to be better than I was going from 2019 into 2020. So I have to literally evaluate Kia so that I can make sure that I am not complacent in the areas that I am comfortable in. And I am, I am okay saying I'm not okay in this area. You know, I fall short in this area or... Um, being vulnerable to someone who is willing to help me spiritually. I'm not saying go tell everybody like, hey, I'm falling short now. Because, you know, you'll have some people that's like, okay, come on, let's go fall short together. <laughs> so, But you want to find people that are going to help you move past that in a healthy way. You know, you don't want to be around like-minded people in bad situations. So you're kind of... Uh, the veil's been lifted for you, not only in your own life, but in the people around you. Yes. And so then let's talk about the ministry. What are, what are you going to do for those ladies in the church to try to help them get the most out of 2020 that they can? For beginners, um, I am going to be a beacon of positivity. No matter what the situation is, no matter how bad it looks, I will find the good in it because darkness and light cannot live in the same vessel. So, if I'm going to be the light, be the light. My promise to our ministry right now is that we will hold on to positivity by any means necessary <laughs> so that um, when we are in the midst of whatever storm may be the next one coming, we'll be able to hold the positive umbrella over us while we walk through the storm. Not to mention, if we're serving a good king, hmm. we should be able to trust that he's up to something good. Well, you know what? That's a whole nother story. Trust. You know, a lot of times I learned in 2020, I didn't trust God the way I thought I did. I learned that. And I feel it is the same for a lot of people in our ministry. We say we trust him with our mouth. 
but our actions show that every time we have to bear it all and put it at his feet and walk away, we can give it to him, but we always go back and pick up a little piece of it to try to Mm. fix it. Mm. And so we have to learn to trust. And that starts with reading and getting to know who he is for yourself. The whole conversation there that we had at the end about trust was really unexpected, but it did challenge me to think about, have we been trusting God like the psalmist did? You know, where he said, you're upholding me by your right hand, and, and he would say, I, I will be satisfied with you. That's a, that's a statement of trust and a statement of faith. This last year, have we been people of fear? God, what is the next thing around the corner? Or have we, have we been people of trust where we say, God, whatever you bring in my life, I know it's going to be a good thing, so let's, let's roll. Kia said these words about her own experience this last year. She said, I have to reevaluate Kia so that I can make sure I am not complacent in my comfort. She said, I am going to be a beacon of positivity no matter what the situation is. You see, if God is good, and if God is bringing growth to us, and if we cling to him, then no matter what shows up, whether it's solitude or suffering or anything else, no matter what shows up, spiritual growth is on its coattails. If we're complacent and we're comfortable, then we will avoid the things that bring us growth. When growth begins to come, we will turn away from them because that's not where comfort lies. And so if we are complacent, if we are comfortable in where we are, then we can never reach where God wants us to be. And you only have one last question to think. Am I already the person God wants me to be? If the answer is yes, fine, live in that. Go ahead and live in your complacency the entire rest of your life. But for most of us, we're going to answer that question, am I already the person God wants me to be? No, we've got more growth to do. But the truth of the matter is, if I have more growth to do, then God has more growing to do in me. If I am not yet shaped to be what God is trying to shape me into, then his hands have to do more shaping. And that's not going to be comfortable. But there's a place of positivity in that. Not just Pollyanna, hey, everything's going to be great. But I'm talking about real, authentic, true, Christian, spiritual positivity where we know this bad thing is bringing good. This bad thing is for my good. This hardship is for my good because there is a good God. The hallmark verse for this is in Hebrews. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus, the one who invented our faith, the one who perfected our faith, for the joy of endured. That's the positivity. That's the positivity that says, God, I trust you so much that no matter what's going on in the world around me, no matter what solitude, no matter what suffering, no matter what I'm facing, there is joy in front of me. And so I endure this. The way we say it around here 
is that God is creating me. I started as dust, but I'm becoming like Jesus. I rejoice in trials and hardships because Christ suffered for me, and I am a living sacrifice transformed by the truths of God. This is who we are as a group of people. And whether we did it well or not in 2020, we're not going back there. Whether we did it well or not in 2019, we're not going back there. Because we're a group of people who recognize for the joy set before us, we will endure anything to reach that goal, to reach what God is doing in us. We will joyfully, we will happily endure hardship because we know God is up to something good in our lives. Man, I hope that you are in a place right now where you are eagerly anticipating the work that God is doing in your life, even if it requires a pathway through some discipline or a pathway through some hardship or maybe just a pathway through some solitude. God is up to something good and we can trust Him. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you, God loves you, and his plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.